Hey, everybody, and welcome to week 17 of 52 Weeks of Empowerment. I'm your host, Andrea Pagnosi, and I'm also a career empowerment coach who is fiercely dedicated in 2022 to getting everybody to where they would rather be and should be, frankly, in their career. You know, a few weeks ago, we tackled a topic with Shermaine Melton that addressed something that a lot of people contacted me about, and it is that dreaded imposter syndrome. The feeling of inadequacy at work, the feeling that we're going to let people down, the abject fear of doing that. And today we're going to look at things from a slightly different perspective. The compensation that people put in to assure that they don't drop the ball. And it goes beyond the feeling of not being worthy or letting people down. It entails working hard enough and often enough to prove that you are worthy. So much so that when hard enough means all work and no play, it means no family time, no personal time, it starts to take a toll and creates this imbalance in people. People begin to suffer emotionally from that imbalance, begin to have physical manifestations of exhaustion and burnout. And it becomes sort of the expectation from those around you that you run hot, you run hot and fast, you're constantly on, and they can expect 125% of you at all times. So you've not only set your body and mentality up for failure, but you've also started to set expectations you can't live up to long term. So it's a completely different perspective than just feeling like you're incapable of doing what you set out to do. You physically may not be able to do that long term. Slowing down feels unnatural and you need somebody to kind of put you back in balance. And so my guest today aims to change all of that and bring balance back. She brings a sense of rejuvenation to her clients using holistic science-based mindset tools. And she sets habits and strategies that have transformed her life and business, and now is bringing it to the mainstream for her clients as well. She is our first international guest, which super excites me. And she's the international creator of the N Power Program, one that establishes mental peace and promises to increase your daily energy levels, stimulating your creativity and putting to rest that imbalance. So please welcome our guest, Natalie Van Haren, to 52 Weeks of Empowerment. Welcome, Natalie. Thank you, Andrea. That was such a beautiful introduction. And I'm so excited to be on 52 Weeks of Empower. And I love the resemblance in our names as well. So it feels like a beautiful opportunity and fit to be here today with you. I'm so glad you feel that way. It's so mutual. What really kind of attracted us is the fact that we were educated both by IPEC coaching. So there's that, but also you came very highly recommended when I said, I threw a shout out to our friends at IPEC and I said, I need to connect with somebody who can really help my listeners get back in balance. And your name was, it was like a ticker tape of Natalie Van Haren, Natalie Van Haren and power, you know, definitely you need to contact Natalie. And when we connected, you shared with me a story about your journey to opening up your program and really becoming a powerful coach. Can you share that with our listeners today? Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure. So in order for me to talk about this, I need to, of course, touch upon my imbalance. If I look back early on in my career, I started out in corporate, not America, corporate, the Netherlands, where I am from. And when I look back, I was driven a lot by external motivation. And I just want to touch back upon what you said about imposter syndrome. It is also very common for people who want to achieve a lot of things in life and 
consider themselves high achievers, that this voice becomes even louder. So for me, if I accelerate that journey, it was actually through the physical manifestations in my work that I had to seriously look at how I was leading my life. And if I was intentionally leading my life, because it turns out that I didn't listen to that. And I kind of played a court game with my brain saying, no, I need to push through and push harder. Whereas I could already see some of the tiredness in my body. I could already see that like felt difficult to hold all the balls of having a career and back then having a partner, a social life. Right. And I am sure that for some of the women that are in your life, a family life becomes a big topic and children. And you become removed from one listening to your body um, and pushing through. So some of the physical symptoms that come from that are migraines, headache, irritability. If we look at emotional snappiness, for me personally, it was forgetfulness. I consider myself to be smart and an intellectual. But at one point, I could see how my capacity in my brain to think clearly was so overloaded. And it just means that your entire frontal lobe, the front part of your brain, when it doesn't get enough rest, it goes into overreact. And so through a burnout, which actually meant I had to take off some work, I finally started listening to the nudges of what I call my intuition and my inner wise woman um, to start shaping and choosing differently. And that is a daily sort of opportunity that I get to do, even now that I'm a coach. I couldn't relate to you more because this was exactly what happened to me. And this is how we connected when we spoke. It was deja vu when you were talking about your experience personally. Forgetfulness. I did have the migraines, which I did go to my doctor. My doctor said, oh, it's a function of your age, which always makes a woman cringe. If there are any doctors listening, that's not the way to say it. But you know, I'm heading into menopause and that is a side effect of that. And I, I was horribly misdiagnosed and it wasn't until I worked with a coach that they said, everything you're talking about is work-related and it is absolutely brought on by stress and overwork and not enough sleep, not enough rest, not enough wellness and you time, but also not being in a job that was fulfilling. So how do you assess clients that come to you some of their manifestations may be completely different from ours. Can you share how you assess them? Yeah. So many of the clients that I work with are either uh, starting entrepreneurs or women who have transitioned from corporate and are either in another job or are setting up their own companies like their startup. The first thing that I almost always go back to is what were the reasons that you left and how did you work through that? And why I ask is because we tend to blame work or our work environments or the people around us for how we internally emotionally feel rather than having a look at like what were the things that I was thinking and how was I showing up at work that created this imbalance, right? And if I look back, like I learned the lesson twice, and this time I can say I definitely learned it, was there were still some behaviors and some thoughts. Even when I moved away from a job that no longer felt in alignment, I was in corporate IT, always working with men, and I just desired to have more connection and working with people that I loved instead was then I took some of those beliefs into my business, right? When my business was not getting the results that I wanted, my primary thought was I'm not working hard enough. So you can see like the, when, when I first start with clients, I really have to look at, okay, what are the patterns that they are taking with them from this environment to the next environment? And where is there room and opportunity to create new balance? The phrases that you're using are profound because those aren't phrases that we typically hear in the workplace. We hear about balance. 
balance. And some would believe it's a myth between work and family balance or work and life balance. What are your thoughts? Do you think it's a myth? Do you think it's a balancing act? How do you share balance or imbalance with your clients? I must confess that the word balance just triggered so many negative connotations because then my higher achiever mindset was like, okay, how do I create the perfect balance? That's the next step that I took. So actually I like to remove the word balance and ask my clients to think whether they are one living in alignment with the things that they value and, and where is that gap? Are you saying you value family time, but then every time your request comes in to work late, you say no to your family and yes to work, right? So that's one of the first kind of entry points is, are you living in alignment with your values? And the second one is how do you prioritize it? Because the things that we find most important are not going to get there themselves. It takes for us to an exercise that I love to do with my clients is Imagine that you have a jar in front of you and there's two ways in which you can fill that jar. So the first one, what we tend to do is we fill that jar with all of our tiny to-dos throughout the day. And imagine those being like very tiny pebbles. The email that comes in, it's the bill that needs to be paid. It's your husband who asks you to pick up the kit, like all of these small things. And then I ask my clients to actually put into that jar the things that they value the most, what I call the big rocks. And when they then want to put the big rocks in the jar that is already filled with all of the tiny pebbles, there is no room for you to design your life in such a way. So what you want to do is put those big rocks in the jar first and then start filling up with the small pebbles and then start filling it up with sands. The sand symbolizes the daily things that we cannot plan for that still happen during the day. And when that kind of clicks and they become aware that am I creating enough space for life just to happen as well? It, there is a sense of relief often that I find when I say if you just block let's say one hour, two hours per week as you time, right? That becomes a priority and the rest goes around it. Too often, we don't do that. I mean, let's be honest, we just don't. And what I love about your mantra of alignment versus balance is that alignment doesn't have to be equality between work and family. Sometimes you're going to have priorities on one side and it's going to be a heavier load and a bigger focus than you are somewhere else. And your imagery of the jar accounts for that. There are times you're going to have more pebbles that are related personally than there are work-related. So I love how you account for that. You get pretty deep with your clients. And in our conversations, you talked a little bit about archetypal focus areas. Can you walk us through the archetypes and talk a little bit about feminine and masculine energies? Yes. Beautiful. So to make that transition, and I think if you've never heard about the work archetypes, they actually come from the psychoanalysis of Carl Jung. And for this episode, I'm just going to highlight three because there are many and see how they relate uh, perhaps as the listener in your own life. So the reason why I introduce archetypes is because when we're not used to self-reflection, when we are used to being on the go, 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 we don't recognize that within us, we have different parts that require things of us, the different parts in which we act and in which we think. When I first learned about this, oh, there are different parts inside of me. I thought it was a little crazy because there were 
I'm going to say three main personas. It was their inner child, like little me, who still lives inside of me. A wise woman, which I also sometimes refer to as my intuition. The inner critic is another part, but we're not going to discuss that today. Another archetype I use a lot is the mother. When I started to first do this work on myself, I could see how, for example, my inner child, which is the person that you can imagine, just close your eyes for a second and think about when you were six, seven years old and you think about what you most love to do and what brought you joy and perhaps what were your creative outlets, right? When we completely disconnect from our inner child as grown women, we forget to tap into what brings our, us joy. If we don't bring that out within us, if we don't listen and honor that inner child within us and she doesn't get a seat at the table, she's going to start acting out. Reconnecting with that part is such a beautiful invitation because it will guide you rather than looking for like external things to bring you joy. She will already show you what it is that you love to do, what it is that gets you energized and wake, woken up through the day. So that's how sometimes I also bring my clients back to, okay, but what are the priorities that bring you joy? That's the first part. Another archetype we spoke about was the wise woman. <laughs> and the way that I personally see her, but many women see her differently, but I imagine her in a white dress with long white hair. She kind of looks at me and how I'm living my life. And sometimes when I am in doubt or when I need to find direction in life or make a decision, she will slowly whisper, what is it that I need to do? Where is it that I can go next? Whether that's in business or in life, right? She will be the one that is kind of like my inner cheerleader of like, go here, do that, book that trip <laughs> and, and, and kind of guide me really. And, and just knowing that then I'm just highlighting two of these women within me, it makes me also feel less alone because you're always being guided by the different parts of you. I can imagine that with perhaps some of your clients, and I just am projecting because I know I'm guilty of it as well, that we feel as though we're obligated to listen to one voice or the other and maybe even drown out the inner child, which I hear you saying, don't do. Is that correct? Yeah, don't do. And if you've never done this sort of reflection or exercise, I will also want you to know that it's absolutely normal to either feel resistance or feel sort of skepticism with like, how, how does this even work? I didn't start listening to her until my late 20s. I have to validate your methodology. When we first spoke, you, you shared this vision with me and I, I listened to my inner child a little bit and I have been practicing by listening to music. I put a whole music list together that I listen to times when I'm ridiculously stressed, when I'm ready to boil over. This music list is music that I listened to at a time in my life where I felt empowered, which was right around college, right around graduation of high school through college, where I felt I was invincible. And I, it was great music, thank God, from that period of time. And your strategy is helping me stay. Blood pressure is lower. It gets me rejuvenated at the end of a long day. It works. The strategy works. Tell me a little bit more about how to overcome challenges with this alignment. You know, when we see these boilovers start to manifest, what types of trigger killers are you putting into your work with your clients? Yeah, so the, I think what's important to realize, like even though these women and these personas exist within us, they are not the ones that are leading our lives. 
we are with our brain. And what we get to do is connecting to hear their wisdom, to hear what they want to say. And then looking back into where we are currently and where we, wa we want to be and making decisions from that. And one of the things I really teach my clients how to do is how can you start having your own back when you make decisions on a daily basis or working through to your goals? I think that some of the self-inflicting pain that we as women can do is make a decision and then spend a lot of either Either not making a decision, spending a lot of time in decision, or making a decision and then ruminating about everything that could have gone differently if it didn't go the way that we wanted. Guilty. Guilty. <laughs> That's me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I overthink all the time. Yeah. And it's also, it's one of our great gifts, I think. Like the fact, I also started changing the stories. Like, okay, me overthinking is just my brain coming up with tons of ideas for me to pursue our power away is the moment when we go oh i'm i'm, I'm overthinking this is a, this is a problem and i'm gonna get stuck in over so it's like almost like changing the narrative from okay noticing i am overthinking that means i have a lot of ideas in my head maybe for me to stop overthinking i need some calm and quiet and just pick one thing that's a beautiful way of doing it which i don't often do because i tend to should all over myself i have to be careful when i say that we do that we second guess ourselves woulda shoulda coulda or i have a habit of before i do anything i overassess. it's almost like analysis paralysis i think of all the things that could go wrong and what are the mitigating factors and i weigh the risks what are some other things that you see your clients doing that hold them back from accepting this and adopting the, these great strategies? I just want to stay with like the overthinking. And because you mentioned masculine and feminine energy, I think it's mm -hmm. a beautiful position to go into that. I think that first and foremost, we as women are primarily raised in a male-dominated society, which includes male-dominated values and characteristics. This has nothing to do with gender, let that be clear. It is merely the manifestation of different kind of energies. And I want you to think about it as like, and how I think about it is like, it's the yin and the yang. It's like the moon and the sun. Just going back to like burnout, it's, it's living a lot from the yang. It's, do, it's doing a lot of the things. It's activating energy. It's logical energy. So when you are overthinking, you're using the kind of energy that activates your brain to think. The opposite of doing that when we think so much is what would be the thinking is the sun, what would be the moon? In the moon, I would think when it's too it's too much thinking, it's what is my intuition? Where can I create more flow? It's almost like noticing from which energy am I playing? Which energy am I showing up in life? Which energy is actually most predominant right now. Where can I intentionally either cultivate more of that feminine energy? Because that's often what I find. Many of the women are like high achievers. They've made, they have a lot of success in their lives. So they naturally are a lot of doers. The feminine energy is more around, okay, how can I create rest and flow and intuition and creativity is one of them as well. Self-expression is one of them. Um, do you allow yourself to speak? Do you allow your creations to bring into this world? Love to think that women are the most powerful creators on earth, just merely because of the fact that we give, we are designed to give birth. Hmm. 
And even when we think about birth, it's the most kind of like excruciating experience you can go through, like all the way from conception to all of the uncomfortableness that you have while carrying the baby through going through a lot of pain. And yet we feel so much devotion and love for something that we created. So how can we do that? Not only with giving birth, but in the way that you design your life, in the way that you set goals and in the way that you experience life really. Very interesting that you use that analogy because I use the phrase labor of love a lot. I use it when I talk about business. I use it when I talk about sacrificing time in light of getting a project done, let's say. And I find that while it's a great analogy, it actually is feeding that sort of negative energy. Like I got to get it done. I got to get it done. Until you just use that example, I didn't realize the analogy there. I kind of get it. It is a labor of love, but it doesn't have to be the excruciating part. It can be the opposite, which is time comes, baby comes. You let it grow and you let it manifest. That is amazing. You have kids, right, Andrea? I do. I have three children. So one of my friends recently got a baby. And when she told me this, I was so fascinated by it because it shows from a feminine energy, how easy it is to to flow and trust that babies when you breastfeed, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when you breastfeed, the mother automatically starts developing the immune system of the baby. She doesn't have to do anything from that because there are signals in, in around the nipple that, that have sensors that tell what are the nutrients that the baby needs, what diseases does it need to fight. And when you think about just this fact in life that you as a woman don't have to do anything rather than your natural using your natural gifts and your talent, that for me is like an ultimate expression of like of ease and flow and trust. That's beautiful that you used the word creator and the mm. word creation. I find this is true probably for men as well is because they're part of the creative process of a, of a human. I find that we don't realize how much really comes from within us when we are emoting. And we heard it during our coaching education, energy attracts like energy. So if you're putting negative into it, whatever you create, whatever you manifest may not succeed, whether it's a job interview, whether it's a project you're working on, whether it's a conversation you've got to have with your boss or a direct report, anything that we put energy into needs to come from a healthy place. Just as you were talking about breastfeed, HP, organic, male, female, or in between. But the human condition is to try to manipulate it somehow. And I don't know why we do that when we've been given everything to be able to build life. It's crazy. What do you account for the causality? Is this learned behavior that we get as young kids? Is it societal influences? Where do you think we get these habits of overthinking and not doing what's organic and authentic to us? This is a really beautiful question because it does come from how we're shaped. And there is, and there's two kind of ways in which we get shaped, right? The first is by our, through our primary caretakers. So mother and father, who, whoever raised you and realizing that we take over the way that they see life, like their imprints, we take over. Usually we look, we learn from their insecurities. I love to give the example, like when a mother is afraid of a dog and the baby or the, or the child is very young and sees how the mother responds 
automatically that child will develop fear of dogs. Well, naturally, in its most as just a human as a being, it, it didn't necessarily have that conditioning. So when I get to do this work with the with my clients, it's also shifting them from is there anything wrong with me? Or like what am I what am I not, not seeing or why do I feel this way? Is to really first acknowledge that the way we see the world was first shaped by our caretakers. And then there is a whole bunch of society slash cultural, I must say, because there is a difference sometimes I find between I'm half Dutch, half Ecuadorian, and I live in Africa. So cultures also determine and shape norms and values. The problem that happens is that as we grow older, we start to question some of the ways in which we were raised or like, why do I even believe some of the things that I believe. For me, if I look back at myself, it was that I believe that women had to fight their way to the top. Like back in my corporate career, I had this like fight, fighting response because I was so upset with how the system was designed that there were so few women working in an area that I was working in. And this goes for many things. Like now I'm talking about work, but this also goes around stories around what women should look like, what mm -hmm. women should wear, how we should express ourselves, how we should emotionally express ourselves. When we've been conditioned to be high achievers, go-getters and ambitions, we often don't listen to our emotions. We often don't even know how to connect with our emotions. One of the things I work on with my clients is do you give your for example, as a stress release, do you give your permi yourself permission to cry? That's a pivotal question. <laughs> that is. And what is the story that you have been told around crying? Yeah. Which is usually a sign of weakness. But especially at the workplace, we're told that women shouldn't cry and that if we cry or we get too emotional. I looked this up, Adria, and I was like, what? I'm so glad I wasn't living in that age. But in the, I think till the nine, 1860s or maybe a little bit later in England, Women who were too emotional were called hysterical. And hysteria was considered a disease in the book of medicine. So no wonder that we find it hard and difficult to open up about these things, because this does not go about conditioning that's only coming from your parents. So this is almost like cultural, ancestral, like shaping society th throughout a couple of years. And I think for back to IPEC, right? Like what we're, what we're seeing as a collective as well is that we're starting to raise our, our levels of consciousness around not only ourselves, but also as a society, how are we acting? How are we showing up? Is this making decisions from fear or love? I'll just add this too, is that there's also this perception with this new awakening or consciousness that we're going through as people are realizing their worth, walking away from jobs that are unfulfilling, looking to seeking to understand their true calling in life, that people have become more open with emotion, including men. And with men, I still think we have a far way to go because you could be a highly sensitive person and not hysterical, as they used to say <laughs> in the 1860s. But I still think that there is a stigma attached to emotion, either in the workplace or in life for men as well as women. And it's very frustrating. It's frustrating yeah. because I think if you can't live authentically, you're not going to live your true purpose. How do you feel about that? I have my thoughts around the word purpose because for high achievers, then it becomes another thing on their to-do list. No, but in this lifetime, I need to find my purpose because otherwise there's something wrong with me. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, that's, that's fair candor. Absolutely. So I would, I reframed purpose 
for myself to where what gives me meaning and where can I be useful I think that when we ask ourselves these kind of questions like what gives meaning to me in my life what's important to me and how can I be useful that automatically gives you the breadcrumbs to follow something that is uniquely yours. I love that because this carries over another fellow iPad coach that was on a previous episode, Charmaine Melton. He works on imposter syndrome. He has made it his life's purpose to help people realize their value, their worth. And when I asked him point blank, how did you overcome imposter syndrome? He said, I didn't. You don't. It's something you live with and you have to shift the energy from negative to positive. How can you use it as your superpower instead of letting it hold you back? So it's right in line with what you just said. Very provocative. That's excellent. Can you share a story, perhaps a success story from one of your clients where you saw a complete transformation? I know you shared your story. I shared mine, but I'd love to hear how you know maybe one of your clients has really benefited from this sort of energy shift. Yeah, it, it depends like which story you want to hear, because sometimes I work with feminine energy and actually activating the masculine energy. And sometimes it's the other way around. So let me go from the masculine to the feminine first. One of my clients, she is second in her lineage of family. So this and the first woman. So she has an older brother and she was highly successful in her early career, attended top-notch universities, attended top-tier consultancy. And she was a go-getter, had a social life. It was through starting to notice those symptoms of burnout. So her body speaking up that she started listening. What do I really want? She fast forward, ended up moving to Kenya. So from Amsterdam to Kenya and started her own enterprise there, which was in alignment with her interest she already had as a child to do international development work. Of course, when you're living in the Netherlands, it's a different kind of development work than if you come here and work here locally, bringing more business and empowering other female entrepreneurs. That's who she works with. What shifted in her energy is that she started noticing her masculine energy. So as a result, she was like, okay, now that I'm only a startup founder and I'm getting my first investor rounds, I actually don't have time for myself. And I am falling back into some of those old patterns I thought I learned. One thing that I really worked with her is our patterns keep on showing up until we learn the lesson. And it's not a problem if you find yourself in certain patterns or in certain behaviors, if you can meet it with compassion for yourself, if you can allow yourself to be human, have a human experience on this planet and have a human brain that of course does not like change. We are hardwired not to change. We don't like it. It became a reframe of, okay, now that I'm seeing those new patterns here, if I bring in compassion, then how can I actually design a life that feels better? And it's daily work. But through that, she actually sent me a picture last week. She climbed Mount Kenya with her family and she loves, wow. <laughs> she loves hiking. And it's also a reminder that she says a lot of the times it's constant reprioritization and redirection to not make it item at the end of my to-do list. No, these things come first. Like my weekly time for her to get massages in this case is what comes first like they get a space on her agenda it doesn't mean that it always happens right but it's also the power of building like tiny tiny habits and doing this one thing over time even if it's like one or two minutes you know your me time doesn't have to be a massage it could also just be intentional breath which is something a practice that I also use a lot with my clients because we forget to breathe <laughs> yes. 
How can people work with you? What's the best way to get in touch with you, Natalie? So if they want to contact me, they can best go to my website, which is www.npower, so N-P-O-W-E-R.eu. Or the best place where they can find me is on Instagram, Natalie underscore Empower. Uh, I work both one-on-one and I'm now creating my first female leadership program. And I'm very excited about that because there's a power in doing this introspection work. And there's a next level element of healing and support and sisterhood when we do this work together as women. So valuable. I am really impressed with just the very basics that we forget to tap into are just so important in our everyday lives as adults, as working women, as productive individuals in society. I want to thank you for sharing that. We set out today to look at things with a very different lens. I know we did that. What is one pearl you'd like to leave with my audience today about taking the time for self to align their value and align their their worth a little bit better. Hmm. I actually would invite them to just sit in this space together with you and me and just take a minute to close their eyes and maybe put their hands on a place that's comfortable and notice how they're breathing and take one big, deep, intentional breath. So inhale, just hold it. And exhale and ask yourself the question, what does my body need today? I did that. Needs a walk today. (laughs) I need to stand more at my desk today, but thank you for that. That's just doing that once or twice a day and slowing down is so important. And I appreciate you encouraging others to do that. Please keep up the great work that you're doing. If anybody needs to get in touch with Natalie, and I highly encourage it, please do reach out. I appreciate you. I appreciate all our listeners. That's all we have for you this week. But I think we've given you some points to ponder when you're really in that state of burnout, you're really trying to maintain what we're not going to call balance, but we're going to call alignment from now on and really need to shift that energy from a bad place to to a very positive one. It's very doable. So please take the time you need for you today. Next week, we will reconnect same time, same place, more power.